It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code BOOM to get $30 off your first month. That's BOOM. Talkspace.com slash BOOM. B-O-O-M. You are Locked On Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com network, which brings you some of the best NFL and college football coverage anywhere. And finally, it's game week. After weeks and weeks and months and months of talking about roster battles and number seven wide receiver and the ninth offensive lineman, we finally talk about a football game with the Packers facing the Jaguars on Sunday in Jacksonville. And we'll get into some early look kind of stuff on third and fourth down, but first, it's first down, and a simple reminder that the NFL is a cruel, cruel business. And it's cruel whether you're a young player or an old player. Just ask Josh Sitton as we got into some of this in our special Saturday Night Roster Cuts podcast, but Sitton, the, the bedrock of the offensive line, a two-time All-Pro, a revered leader among the young guys like Corey Lindsley and David Bakhtiari, was the shocking cut, not just the shocking cut of the, of the Packers, but the shocking cut around the entire NFL on Saturday night. While he signed with the Bears, wasted no time in, in, in landing on his feet, not surprisingly, and he, and he chooses a, a heated rival, and he'll get to... Uh, Show us frustration with his former team twice a year. Sit and sign, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter, a three-year, $21.75 million contract with $10 million of that guaranteed. That uh, The total average per year of about seven and a quarter is more than Sitton was going to make this year. So he, he gets a pay raise. And, you know, Green Bay went from one of the top guard tandems in the league with Sitton and TJ Lang. And now it's Chicago. It's now Josh Sitton and, and, and Long and it's going to be, you know, I, I'm obviously the Bears have their own issues, and, and they they were a terrible team last year, and, and Jay Cutler hasn't proven anything. But suddenly they look a lot better on tape on paper, don't they? I mean, if you got, I mean, look, let me look at look at the Packers offense with when you when you can firm up the middle of that line for your pass protection and makes your quarterback's life so much easier. And Cutler maybe had his best year of his career last year under John Fox, and obviously he loses Adam Gase's offensive coordinator, who's now down in Miami, but. You know, Cutler's made some strides finally, and now he's got a really solid interior of the offensive line to give him that protection. So the, the Bears got better, and, and the Packers obviously have gotten worse here. You know who else it's cruel for? Sam Barrington. Another one of the Packers cuts on Saturday night. He missed almost all of last season with an ankle injury, and while he didn't play, it was one hell of a season for Barrington where he was the the uh, Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee and the Ed Black Courage Award winner for the team and really was treated like royalty for all this off the field deeds. He's a you know, he's a super smart guy, a leader, a great community guy. That's all well and good, but if you can't play in the eyes of the eyes of management, you know, tough. You know. We we appreciate all of you done. We appreciate all you've done off the field. Good luck someplace else. And Barrington's landed with the Chiefs. And at this point the Packers have haven't made any moves at inside linebacker. It's Blake Martinez and Jake Ryan starting, and Joe Thomas is number three, and you know number four is on the practice squad with 
with uh, Carl Bradford and Beniquez Brown, and I suppose in case of emergency, it's Clay Matthews again. But so it's a cruel for your for an old guy, and it's cruel for young. Just ask Brandon Burks. Brandon Burks, the undrafted rookie from Troy, became the front runner for the number three running back when John Crock went down the preseason. Had a tremendous touchdown run against the 49ers in that third preseason game. He made the final roster on Saturday. Oops, that's not the final roster. And this serves to remind everyone that that roster on Saturday is not the roster because on Sunday the Packers claimed running back Jarrell Presley off waivers from the Vikings. Burks is gone. And by gone, I mean he's not even on the practice squad. They, they, at this point, they got one practice squad move left to make. But it's not going to be Burks from, from what I figured out. So so Burks goes from celebrating being on the 53-man roster to not even being on an NFL payroll. Now that is cruel. Now Burks' loss is Presley's gain. Andre, the rookie from New Mexico, had a really good pro day there to get, to get on the NFL ra- radars. Didn't do much for the Vikings as a running back. 2.9-yard average, but... Caught five passes for 57 yards. Obviously, you know the Packers like guys who can catch the ball. And in the last preseason game, a 106-yard kickoff return touchdown. Now, the Packers appear to be set at kickoff returner with with receivers Trevor Davis and Ty Montgomery. But we don't know the extent of Davis' shoulder injury from that last preseason game. Is, is it minor? Could he miss a week? Could he miss four weeks? We, we don't know that. So Presley gives him some options there. And now, insurance-minded speeches from GEICO. It's a common expression, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. However, what if the horse's mouth is filled with useful insurance tools? This is the exact case with the Geico app. Yes, the app is free and therefore a gift horse. However, look inside the app and behold, emergency roadside assistance, digital ID cards, bill pay. Get the Geico app, look it in the mouth, get amazing services. Thank you. Before we get to second down, I'd like to remind you to go to PackerReport.com. i got all sorts of coverage from, from Cut Weekend, including a breakdown of the 53-man roster, of two uh, members-only stories on, on Josh Sitton on the first, the on-the-field impact, and then second, the financial impact, getting into the, some of the salary cap stuff I've beaten like a drum for months to hopefully get people to understand where this team is at. And also a, uh, about a 70-second video um, the Philly Voice had ranked every roster uh, based on age, and the Packers were the third youngest roster in the NFL, so I kind of went into that. So a lot of good stuff at PackReport.com, and then all sorts of great stuff on on the Locked On Podcast Network, including Locked On Jaguars. I would definitely tune into that podcast all week long to help you get ready for, for the Week 1 game. On the second down, and this would be the Packers practice squad, we know of nine guys right now with the number 10 move knit to be made. And most of these guys are Packers holdovers. Wide receiver Geronimo Allison. Inside linebackers Carl Bradford and Benuikas Brown. Outside linebacker Reggie Gilbert. Guard Lucas Patrick. Defensive tackle Brian Price. Wide receiver Herb Waters. And safety Jermaine Whitehead. Those are eight holdovers. And the ninth guy is guard Blake Muir who spent training camp with the Niners. So let's just kind of go over to these guys. And I told you this was going to happen, or at least I had a good idea this might happen. As much as everybody talks about how great Geronimo Allison is, and there's no way they can get him on the practice squad because he's too darn good, look who's on the practice squad. It's Geronimo Allison. And I'm not going to toot my own horn. Well, I'm going to hear it because I don't, I'm not right very often. <laughs> but like I mentioned, wide receiver is a dime a dozen position. 
And I don't care if you're six foot three or if you run a 40 in 4.3 seconds, there's a million wide receivers and they're and if you're not a star guy or a really good guy, you're all in that same group. And I won't I go back to a few years ago when no one thought that they could get Tory Gurley on the practice squad. The guy that Donald Driver called Slinky, a six four receiver. Oh, he's too tall. He's too good. He'll get picked. No, he was not picked up then. And Allison's not picked up now. It's not a knock on Allison. He's a good player and he's got a chance to make it in this league. It just shows you that it just shows you the depth of that position around the league where I mean, because of the state of college football with all the spread offenses and all the throwing, there's a lot of really good players at that position. And, and, and that was true with Green Bay with all the talent receiver here and around the league with all the talent receiver. Bradford and Brown, again, like I mentioned a minute ago, are kind of the fourth inside linebacker on the roster. Bradford, I thought, played well enough to make it. Just a numbers game there. And Brown, I, I really like Brown's potential. He's He's... Every bit as athletic as Martinez is, and he seems intelligent enough, so I, I think he's got a chance to make it too. Reggie Gilbert, one and a half sacks during the preseason, short a little flash there. And if you look at the team long-term where you got Nick Perry, Dayton Jones, and Julius Peppers are all free agents after this year, I think it makes sense to keep Gilbert in reserve there as a, uh, as a guy to groom. Guard Lucas Patrick. Played pretty well for a guy with a broken right hand throughout most of camp, so I'd be interested to see him with two hands down the road. I thought defensive tackle Brian Price is one of the minor surprises among the cuts. I thought he, I thought he played well enough to make it, so he's you know he's one injury away from being on the team. Kind of a good developmental guy, you know. I talked to I talked to a source about you know what why didn't Price make it? And he thought he thought that Price was just too raw. He went from junior college to playing at Texas San Antonio and. Um, San Antonio is a very young program just started about five or six years ago and he thought maybe the lack of coaching no knock on the coaches there but just kind of a lack of coaching in his career kind of set him back Herb Waters the receiver I thought looked really good in the shorts and helmets stuff in May and June didn't show up at all during the during training camp and and Jermaine White had the safety a real ball hawking kind of guy during his last season at Auburn in 2014 he was suspended for I think four or five games for a running with a coach, but I think he, I think in seven games, if I recall right, he intercepted six passes. So a real ball hawk showed some of that during training camp as well. Um, the guard Blake Muir, um, a native of Australia, played at Baylor. It's been training camp with the Niners, and the tenth guy will be. I'm not sure now. Devon Kajust, a Wide receiver slash tight end, kind of a hybrid kind of guy from Stanford, tweeted that he was going to be that guy. Um, didn't make the NFL's transaction wire, but there, I guess there's probably no reason to doubt him. But I, I think the move there will be they have to go cut someone to get Brett Goode onto the roster, and then I, maybe maybe they need to decide whether Kajus is that 10th guy or if they're gonna, whoever they cut for Brett Goode will be that 10th guy. But again, there's probably not much reason to doubt Kajus. So... But none of those moves have been announced by the team yet. The team will announce that stuff today. And then I assume they're going to announce the signing of Brett Goode to be their long snapper. So an eventful day coming up here on Labor Day with uh, Mike McCarthy talking to the media, the first locker room session, and then the Packers begin practice on Tuesday for the opener at Jacksonville.
This segment of Locked On Packers is brought to you by PackerReport.com and Scout.com. Scout's fantasy site has hosted the World Fantasy Championships, and our fantasy insiders have helped a lot of people make a lot of money. And if your company is interested in talking to men between the ages of 18 to 44, you really should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked On Packers is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 to 44. So if you want men 18 to 44, this is your spot. Plus, our rates are reasonable. Email me at packwriter2002 at yahoo.com to find out more. On a third down, that would be a look at free agency. And a couple couple different ways I want to look at this here. First, this is why there's a salary cap. When, when the NFL implemented this you know, a couple decades ago, it was to make bad teams get good and good teams get bad. Or they didn't want dynasties and they want to give everybody a chance and a level playing field. Well, the Jaguars stunk, and they've stunk for a lot of years. And when you stink, that means you don't have good players. And that means when you, when you don't have good players, you're not paying your guys. So the Jaguars had you know $8 gazillion under the salary cap, and they spent like drunken sailors. They led all the NFL in free agent spending, a whopping $220.8 million on free agent contracts. You know, a couple of those were their own guys, but most most of them were were uh, were signing sort of other teams' guys. Leading off with defensive tackle Malik Jackson from the Broncos, a six-year, $85.5 million. You take that with left tackle Calvin Beecham, safety Tayshawn Gibson, and running back Chris Ivory. All four of those guys are making more than $32 million in total. And if you add it all together, that's $65 million of guaranteed contracts. Compare $65 million of guarantees to the Packers spending $15.3 million total. And that, and that spent and that uh, that ranked 29th in the league. And some of that was re-signings. And, you know, the one, one move I would be obviously signing Jared Cook. But A, it just kind of shows the finances because of, look, the pack, as much as this frustrates fans and as much as I tell this to fans and they just refuse to believe it, the Packers have cap problems. There's just no denying it. And I, and I get into that video that I mentioned at PackerReport.com. But, look, they... they, they 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 can't afford to sign guys, and as a a longtime personnel guy told me a long time ago, for every free agent that you sign, that's one of your own free agents that you're not signing, and that's been in the that's kind of been at the crux of Ted Thompson's conservative nature. Do you want to do you want to keep your own players, or do you, or do you want to bring in your own, bring in guys from elsewhere? And as you know, Thompson said, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and as he said time and time throughout his career. He's a builder. He considers himself a builder, and he prefers seeing what he can coax out of his players. So, I mean, that's part of the Thompson's conservative philosophy, but it's also just kind of the state of the thing where the Packers are a really good football team and have been. And, contra- and you know, the opposite of the Jaguars, where if you if you have a bad team, you have bad players, and if you're bad, and if you have bad players, they're all cheap. Well, the Packers are a good team with good players, and good players cost money, and they've. They focus their resources on, on signing guys from elsewhere rather than signing guys from, from other teams. So, once again, the tail of the tape, $220.8 million of free agent spending to fifteen point three. And finally, fourth down, I want, to look, I want to take, again, this is a rough draft look. We'll get into a lot more in depth after we have a conference call on, on Wednesday with, with the Jaguars player and, and their coach. And obviously, we'll talk to you know Green Bay's coaches and players throughout the league. So, I'll, I'll give you a lot more on this stuff later in the week, but last year, the Jaguars defense ranked 31st in points allowed, 
24th in yards, 29th against the pass, 20th in sacks, and 26th in interceptions. That, my friends, is bad defense. So what is, you know, the Jaguars basically just go out and, and, and buy a defense, right? I mean, with Malik Jackson in the gang and free agent contract to, to fortify that D-line and, and Tayshaw Gibson and at safety to help in the defensive backfield and former Giants cornerback Prince Amur Kamara to help fortify the cornerback spot. And then their first-round pick was cornerback Jalen Ramsey. And their, uh, you know, last year in, in free agency, they, they signed Devon House away from the Packers. So all of a sudden, let me, let's just look at this defense here. It's, it's got a chance to be really good. And that's what you got, and that's what the Packers are going to be facing. Where their, their safety, or excuse me, their their, their uh, defensive back group is Jalen Ramsey and Devon House at corner with Amur Kamara in the, sa- in, in the slot. And they got Gibson at one safety spot and Jonathan Cyprian, a, a hard hitter, in another safety spot. So that, that defensive backfield is pretty darn good. Their D line, Jared Odrick, who they signed away from the Dolphins a couple years ago. And kind of the forgotten guy here is is Dante Fowler their, their first round pick last year or tore up a knee and missed all of all of all of last season and then well he's not a starter this year's second round pick Miles Jack looks like a jack of all trades linebacker who's going to at least get some situational role so I mean, again new faces here are Ramsey Mukamura Fowler Gibson and Jack that's five guys in Jackson so that that's Basically, they've remade half the defense for a defense that was god awful last year. Has a chance to be pretty darn good. And obviously, you know, I think Green Bay's offense is going to be fine in the long run. But how is Green Bay's offense going to be right now? Where Aaron Rodgers threw, what, seven passes in the preseason. You're breaking a new guard. So you're basically, whatever chemistry that you've built on the O line, some of that's gone out the window. I mean, David Bakhtiari and Josh Sitton had thousands of reps. And that's all gone. So you've got, and then there's you know the, the step back that you're getting at guard between between uh, I assume it'll be Lane Taylor and and sitting. So you're, you're you're different there. Jordy Nelson hasn't played. So this is this is an offense I, I think is going to be uh, sort of a work in progress early in the season, and they're going to be facing a defense that's going to be chance to be pretty darn good in the Jacksonville Heat, and that crowd's going to be really fired up. So it's going to be a heck of a challenge in Week One. But obviously, we'll get into more of that as this week goes on. And with that, I will bid you a happy and fabulous Labor Day Monday, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash Thanks for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite NBA team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app, and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.